Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Far-Fetched Fables, part of the District of Wonders Network. Featuring Tales to Terrify and Starship Sofa. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, this is Far-Fetched Fables. Welcome to show number 148. I'm your host, Nicholas heaton Clark. And there are a few more days left in the district's Kickstarter campaign for the Everyone Worlds Without Walls anthology. Recent stretch goals have allowed Tony to add authors Levi Tidhar and Rajan Khanna to the table of contents. And if you can help us get a little bit further, we'll be able to add a story by living legend Samuel R. Delaney as well. Check out the link on our show notes for info and to make a pledge. Now, on to our feature story for this week. Caveat emptor, caveat venditor, by Ed Ahern. Ed resumed writing after 40-odd years in foreign intelligence and international sales. He has his original wife, but advises that after 49 years they're both out of warranty. He works the other side of writing at Bewildering Stories, where he sits on the review board and manages a posse of five review editors. Ed has had 140 stories and poems published so far, and a series of articles on fly fishing. His collected fairy and folk tales, The Witch Made Me Do It, was published by Gypsy Shadow Press. His novella, The Witch's Bane, was published by World Castle Publishing, and his collected fantasy and horror stories, Capricious Visions, was published by Nomon Pig Press. Ed is currently working on a paranormal thriller novel tentatively titled The Rule of Chaos. Ed's story is read by Rish Outfield, a writer, voice actor and audiobook narrator. He can be heard co-hosting the Steef audio fiction magazine and That Gets My Goat podcasts, where he and Big Ankelvich entertainingly waste much of their time. He also features his own stories on the Rish Outcast podcast. He once got a job because of his Sean Connery impersonation, but has lost two due to his Samuel L. Jackson impression. And now, caveat emptor, caveat venditor. <laughs> As warlocks go, Harald was a failure. Even though his curses were vigorously evil, and his pitches quite logical, he almost always lost the business. Harald partly blamed his sex. Most internet advertising for spells and curses came from witches, 
Those seeking vengeance or unfair advantage picked the repugnant hags rather than Harold, who was merely homely and middle-aged. Harold had given himself mental hernias, trying to increase sales. Fifteen years an apprentice and sorcerer, he thought, and nothing to show for it. Washed-out priests and ministers become counselors or teachers, but who's willing to pay tuition to learn the uses of bloodwort? Harold had joined Wizards Anonymous, but the other members only talked about their mushroom dependencies. Needing money to live on, he took a job with a livery service, driving pampered executives to and from New York airports. It was several months of traffic jams before Harold realized what a premium resource he had at his disposal. He practiced the phrasing of his questions. Mr. Mephiston, I wonder if I could ask your advice with the problem I'm having. That should get him going. All these nabobs pride themselves on being incomparable problem solvers. Mephiston pulled his thoughts from an electronic tablet and back into the four lanes of traffic creeping toward JFK Airport. He put down the tablet as if it were a bishop's mitre. "'Good advice is never really free, Harold, but perhaps I can help. What's the problem?' "'I run a, um, consulting service. The solutions I provide are proven, and I'm price-competitive, but I can't convince the prospects to try me out.' My interview questions are thorough, and my proposal the most beneficial or malignant. It should be clear to an idiot that I provide the best service available. But I'm consistently turned down. There's also sexual discrimination. Mephiston chortled unpleasantly. Harold, you've heard about building a better mousetrap and having the world flock to your door? It's bullshit. Humans aren't economic animals. They're driven by fear, greed, and lust. You're a failure because you pitch logical solutions. Learn what each person's worst instincts are and pander to them. If you can become baser than the broads, you'll make a fortune. Harold dropped Mephiston off and picked up another client returning home to Darien, Connecticut. Along the way, he realized that Mephiston had been right, that his rational business model sucked. And then he had the witchcraft version of an epiphany. Harold dropped off his fare and detoured to an exotic pet store before returning home. He walked into the house carrying a bread-box-sized cage. Here, Suferdi, he called out. Suferdi padded slowly into the room. It had been Harold's familiar since his training in theurgy. Suferdi currently lodged in an eleven-year-old male dog with bad vision and arthritis. He couldn't speak, of course, but could telepath concepts and emotions. Smell something reptile in cage. Think bad idea coming. Not a problem, Suferdi. Our solution. And you're going to be able to participate. Suferdi next wants another dog or maybe cat. And nonsense, Sufi. You were a toad for a while, and this is much nicer. A chameleon. Still have to eat bugs. Chameleon only live five, six years. Better for you, dog or cat. Your current body's going to die in a year or so, and what I have planned will get you out of the house. Suferti foresee maiming an unplanned body death. Harold brought the cage closer so Suferti could see the lizard. 
See how it's changed its colors to suit the inside of the cage? That's all you'd be doing. That and listening to people think. If scaly body killed with no ceremony, you lose me for a week, maybe two. Worse, limbo very painful for Suferti. This isn't about what you want, Suferti. It's about what I need. That night, Harold burned incense, uttered several incantations, and slit the dog's throat. Suferdi shifted into the chameleon's body as the blood drained out from the dog. Harold stuffed the canine body into a trash bag, dragged the bag into the backyard, and buried it alongside other animal remains. After washing his hands, he freed Suferdi from the lizard cage. Suferdi flicked the lizard tongue in and out, checking its range and speed. Creature breath infernal foul, legs like crab, Get stepped on and crushed before first day is over. That's why you have to camouflage yourself in an out-of-the-way place. Get some rest. We're going out on an appointment tomorrow morning. The chameleon crabbled to the middle of the coffee table and defecated. Sorry. Take few days to get body control. Don't be spiteful, Suferi. Who knows? You may enjoy exploring all these people's thoughts. Human thoughts like bad food cause mind diarrhea. The next morning, Harold picked up the lizard and set it in a briefcase. Remember, Suferdi, that when I'm walking, this case will be on end, and you'll be turned sideways. I'll jiggle it each time so you can get ready. Suffocate in here. Then you sorry. I'll crack it open every so often so you get fresh air. The lining is genuine pigskin. You should like that. The Henningtons lived in egregious ostentation. The five-car garage stuck out from the left side of a house that looked to be over 20,000 square feet. The rumps of expensive cars flashed in each garage stall. Walter Hennington led Harold into a 600-square-foot study, presumably one of the smaller rooms in the house. "'What's this about your having to make two visits?' The witches who were here before you listened and gave me an immediate quote. One visit is okay, if you're willing to settle for a cheesy off-the-shelf solution, but to do it properly requires fact-finding, then researching forbidden texts to find your optimal spell, then a second visit to explain the solution to you. Both visits are brief, and there's no charge for a second house call. Hennington waved a hand impatiently. All right, all right, sit down. Harold held the briefcase vertically on his lap, shook it slightly, and turned it on its side. He snapped the latches, then asked, "'Could I trouble you for a glass of water?' Hennington scowled, but spun around and left the room. "'Wait. He hiding in doorway to check on you. Okay, now he gone.' Harold grabbed Suferdi from the briefcase and gently lobbed him toward the nearest curtain. "'Quick! Hide!' How can do this? Leave me to be found and executed, after all I do you. Just hide. Oh, Mr. Hennington, that was quick. Were you actually talking to yourself? Just humming a song. So uh, tell me about your problem. Hennington sat in an overstuffed chair, covered in elephant hide, and crossed his legs. There appeared to be gold threads in his stockings. 
One of the businesses I own is a partnership. My partner, a woman named Helen, has objected to some business practices I've implemented. I've offered to buy her out, but she claims she's the founder of the business and says she'll never leave. I need her out of the management, but without any repercussions to me. Killing her complicates the business ownership, so I need a nice, severe affliction that would prevent her from focusing on the business. What can you do? Harold began asking questions. How old was the woman? Did she have any vices? And so forth. He could see Suferdi climbing up the side of an ornately carved brake front, and was sure that the lizard was sticking out its tongue at him as it rose. Hennington noticed Harold staring over his shoulder and turned his head. But by then, Suferdi had clambered onto the top of the piece and was crouched behind its raised top edge. Suferdi not moving until you come tomorrow. You'll be Magus, but you also idiot. Harold ran out of questions after another ten minutes and confirmed the appointment for the same time the next day. As he left, Suferdi began operating like an open mic, passing along Hennington's thoughts with occasional comments. The man's thoughts weren't pleasant. What a bloated little cockroach this Harold Brunner is. Can't believe he'll do any better than those two old bitches. Call him now, tell him he didn't get the job, cancel the appointment. But what if the slug actually has a good idea? Wait until tomorrow. If the idea's really good, maybe steal it. Hennington's thoughts began to be fuzzed by the thoughts of a woman and two children. Hennington's family. Storm surges of hate roiled the thoughts, and Harold realized that the kindest thing Hennington family members did for one another was to ignore each other's presences. Suferdi, take out the thoughts of the other three. Can't. Suferdi basked in the hate as if he were under a sun lamp. Suferdi only provide what heard. No blocking. Harold was pretty sure his familiar was lying but tuned his inner ear to pick out Hennington's thoughts. They were viler by far. How I'd like to make Hennington the victim, Harold thought. Give Helen a nice bleeding ulcer, maybe shingles, or maybe sign over my two brats and watch her try and deal with their drug use, get that cow wife of mine to go as well. Man like his evil. Too bad not magician. I go free agent and switch masters. Helen is too close to figuring out what I did with last quarter's profits. Maybe just kill her after all. Don't need some old hag for that. Just a thug. When he slept, Hennington's dreams were riddled with fear. Fear of being maimed. Fear of being shunned. Fear of sexual inadequacy. Fear that his own family would kill him. Harold sensed how hard it was for Hennington to maintain a lordly pose. The non-stop abominations kept interrupting Harold's sleep. By daybreak, he was super-saturated with fear and loathing. Shut him down, Suferdi. I know what we need to do. Suferdi had been gleefully wallowing in the rank fester of Harrington's mind. No control, master. You must absorb until you remove me from house. Careful, lizard, or I'll feed you bugs doused with insecticide. Harold showed up promptly at ten o'clock and was ushered back into the study. Sit down, Harold. I'm afraid I can only give you fifteen minutes. 
I've had a glass of water set next to your chair. Doubly screwed, Harold thought. The short meeting confirms he's already made up his mind to pick one of the crones. And I've got to distract him so I can get Sue Ferdy back into the briefcase. Uh, Mr. Harrington, I'm sure my competitors presented their cases well and offered plausible solutions, but what you need is an ongoing infirmity that isn't suspected of being a hex, so no garden-variety shingles or gout. This woman Helen would suspect you and sue on grounds of infernal interference. And even if she believes the infirmity is natural, someone like Helen, with a strong will, could still get enough medical help to remain an obstacle. No, my proposal is mental illness, dementia so damaging that even if she threatens you, the court will assume it's part of her insanity and discount her allegations. Inflicting dementia without death requires precise sorcery that your average nose-picking witch doesn't have. Keeping her mad will require periodic reinforcement, the fees for which are shown in my quotation. If you like, I can temporarily afflict a family member to demonstrate the effect. Hennington's expression and body language gave away nothing, but Suferdi conveyed his delight at being able to inflict torment on a family member. Are you saying that you could cause this to happen to my wife or child? Precisely. I'd limit the effect to a few minutes. You could perhaps tell your wife or child it's an example of what you could do to them if they disobey you. It's a damned shame that both children are at school, but my wife needs some disciplining. All I need to do is shake her hand. Did you want to go and get her? You bet your ass. It'll be just a minute. The backside of Hennington's vicuna wool trousers had barely cleared the doorway when Harold jumped up, grabbed a table chair, and ran over to the armoire. He clambered up the chair and grabbed Suferdi around the belly. If squeeze harder, Suferti piece on carpet. Suferti skin dried out and dusty from master's abandonment. Not proper performance of evil. Suferti deserve respect. Oh, shut up, Suferti. Harold grabbed the chair with his free hand and dropped it back into place. Then he popped open the briefcase latches, dropped Suferti abruptly onto the pigskin, and closed the case. He snapped the case shut and had just resettled his backside into his own chair when Hennington returned with a woman. His wife was a paragon of chemical and surgical embellishment. Whatever heredity had provided to her had been altered or removed. Harold could only guess at the original face, hair color, breast size, and fanny fat. Hennington kept a hard grip on her left arm. "'This is my wife, Henrietta. Shake hands with the man, dear.' Her thoughts, passed along by the reptile, were brush-fires of hatred and fear, swirling so ferociously that she could barely think. She knew, without doubt, that whatever Hennington was dragging her into would yet again hurt and humiliate her. Hennington's tone hardened. "'Shake hands. Now!' "'How are you, Mrs. Hennington?' Harold extended his right hand. The required manners took hold. "'I'm fine, thank you,' she said, gingerly reaching out her own hand. The spell, primed for immediate discharge, arced like electricity into Henrietta's hand. She dropped to the floor, drool immediately sliding down from her mouth. "'Wake her up, please, Mr. Hennington, and ask her a few questions. It's okay. Once I release her, she won't remember anything about the incident.' 
Hennington stepped over and kicked Henrietta in the thigh. "'Get up, you saggy slut!' She propped herself against a coffee table and staggered up. "'Everything is nothing. I am transformed in change. I am unknowing and coming into the unknown. Henrietta, who am I? The what of your who is unpleasant and unworthy of my focus. You are my providing torment.' "'Stupid cow, what are your children's names? "'The fruit of my loins is rotten. "'I must wait for their seed to sprout.' "'Hennington turned to Harold. "'Can I keep her this way?' "'It'd be twice the price, "'and you'd have to hire staff to keep her clean and fed.' "'Hell. "'All right, get her out of it.' "'Harold sidled behind Henrietta "'and cupped his hands on her temples.' There was a popping noise, and she dropped back onto the carpet, then jumped up, screaming. "'You assholes! What did you do to me? How did I get on the floor?' "'Assholes!' she screamed again, and quick marched out of the room. "'All right, Brunner. You've got the business. Payment on results.' "'Afraid not, Mr. Hennington. Half now, half on Helen's derangement.' then a small monthly stipend to maintain the affliction. Cash, of course. Four days later, Harold waited in the lobby of a high-rise office building until Helen emerged, flanked by two staffers. He sidestepped around the streaming bodies and slithered past an aide, brushing Helen as he continued on. She fell down and began writhing while Harold walked on out through a side exit. He called Hennington the next day. "'Satisfactory, I presume? "'So far. "'How do I know it'll continue?' "'Give it another day or two to confirm that she's bonkers. "'Then I'll require the second half. "'If not received, she reverts to sanity and will be pretty testy.' "'Hennington paid, and Harold settled most of his outstanding debts. "'Other business began to trickle in, then gushed. "'Why are you getting these jobs? "'You're not that good.' Ah, Suferdi, I relied on Hennington's venality. I relied on Hennington's venality. He lives on favors, giving and receiving. He tells those close to him about me, and then asks for something in return. He's a vicious but effective referral service. Rich man, wonderful untarnished evil. He screw you soon. I figure him to try. Got a couple contingency plans. House too clean. I beg your pardon? Not enough bugs. Suferti must hunt no stopping, still starving. Bad master. All right, all right. I'll build a plastic box with a flap opening for you. I'll vent it to the outside like a fly trap, and toss in some rancid meat. That should bring you buffet lunches. Suferti believe when sated. Two months later, Hennington called. You're stringing me along, Brunner. Really just blackmailing me. My people tell me you haven't been anywhere near Helen. She's permanently wacko, and I'm not paying your blood money any more. You've gouged me enough. Then he hung up on Harold. Now you're screwed. Hennington right. Spell permanent until removal. You're screwed. Shut up, Suferdi. Hennington's already served my purpose in getting the business going. Now I just have to make sure he doesn't badmouth me. Harold waited one day for Hennington to change his mind, 
then used two quick spells to gain entry into the asylum where Helen Stalker was confined. Three weeks later, she was pronounced sane, and resumed making life miserable for Hennington. He screamed at Harold when he telephoned. "'You scumbag charlatan! You broke our deal!' "'No, I tried to warn you that without my ministration she would revert. "'If you've called, I guess she has. "'We can't talk about this on the phone. "'I'll come by tomorrow morning.' "'The next morning Harold put on a new tailor-made suit "'from the same designer that Hennington used. "'He turned to Suferdi. "'Think I look better than that pompous ass. "'Get in the briefcase.' "'Suferdi's body not survive in leather coffin.' Master, no current body need gentle care. Suferti stay home. Bullshit. Harold scooped up the lizard and pitched it into the briefcase. Suferti filed grievance. Master must provide suitable transportation. Don't crap in the case again, or no centipedes for dinner. Harold snapped the briefcase shut and drove over to Hennington's mansion. Hennington's face had the color and flab of a rotten tomato. Brunner, you lying son of a bitch! I'm sending someone to bust you up. Mr. Hennington, nice to see you again as well. You broke the agreement and are facing the consequences, but I think I have a solution for you. May I come in? Harold extended his hand, but Hennington stumbled backward. I'm not touching you. Whatever you have to say, you can tell me without touching. Come in. They sat in the same chairs as before. Suferdi conveying the raw fear under Hennington's bluster. "'Before we start, Mr. Hennington, could I trouble you for a glass of water? I'm too dry right now to talk much.' Hennington scowled, but got up and returned a few moments later with a full water tumbler. He cautiously set it on a service table that stood between the two men's chairs, then returned to his seat. "'Thank you, Mr. Hennington.' Harold stood up, took a step over to the table, picked up the water-glass, and in a smooth arc tossed the water onto Hennington's shirt. The water-arc crackled as the curse flowed through the hand-stitched silk. Hennington dropped to the floor, screaming loudly. A few seconds later, the artificial woman came into the doorway. "'What the hell's going on?' She saw Hennington on the floor, and a smile cracked across her surgically designed face. "'Ah, Mrs. Hennington,' I'm afraid your husband has had a terrible accident, but I think he can talk. Ask him a question. Bartholomew, get off the damn floor before I have to call 911. Synthetic harpy, hovering before inflicting pain. Control, without control in vat of hate. Harold interrupted. We have very little time, Mrs. Hennington. This is what he made me do to you. I can make his condition permanent if you like and give you your life back. Why would you do that? Money, of course. You'll need a day or two to get the cash. If you change your mind, Bartholomew returns to torment you. A real smile spread entirely across her face, giving Harold a hint of what the raw material must have looked like. How delicious! Of course I'll do it. You're sure he can never regain his sanity? Quite sure. Harold made arrangements and drove off. Suferdi, released from the briefcase, explored the floor mats for dead flies. Master surprisingly clever. Helen pay after release to put Hennington in torment. Henrietta pay for same thing. Double pay. 
devilish good. Thanks, Uferdi. I think I'm getting good at this. Speak of devil. Hearing words from entity named Mephisto. Say you owe him. Say he hungry. Want soul food. The end. <laughs> Buyer beware indeed. Now, before we close, I'd like to extend my thanks again to my editor, Gary Dowell, and our audio engineer extraordinaire, Mark Zanfardino. You guys rock. If you'd like to share your thoughts on this or any of our stories, you can leave your comments on the Triple F website, our Facebook page, or on Twitter. We love hearing from you, our listeners, and we want to know your thoughts on our content. As always, please leave us a review on iTunes, Acast and other podcatchers so that we can build our listenership and keep the stories flowing. Please consider making a donation on the District of Wonders Patreon page too so that we can keep the podcast up and running. Please remember that Farfetched Fables operates under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License, which means you can download the content and share it all you like, but you can't change it and you can't sell it. And please be sure to give credit where that credit is due. All other copyright remains that of the authors, and violators will be hexed. I have a pot of kitty food on the stove, so I'm off to go and rescue it. Have a great week. Bye now. This presentation has been brought to you by the District of Wonders Network, dedicated to podcasting the finest genre fiction. You can learn more about the District of Wonders and their many literary productions at their website, www.districtofwonders.com. Thank you for listening. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 